Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show on CBS Sports Radio. Golden State Warriors beat the Atlanta Hawks 110-103 last night, and they did so without Steph Curry and Draymond Green. So, nothing to see here, right? Nothing more to that story, right? Let's not get into that. Not exactly. Because last night had absolutely nothing to do with the game itself. It had everything to do with Draymond Green being suspended without pay following Monday's incident with Kevin Durant in that loss to the Clippers. Let me reset for you quickly. Facing the Clippers with the score tied at 106, Draymond Green pulls down a rebound in front of Kevin Durant with five seconds left. Durant is clapping. He's calling for the ball. Draymond drives up the court, loses control of the ball, and time runs out. When they went to the sideline before the start of OT, that's when things got hot. Durant appears to say to Draymond, quote, pass me the bleeping ball, GD. Now I would imagine that's probably not the first time Kevin Durant has said that to a teammate. And there's a decent chance it's not the first time that Draymond has heard that from a teammate. All in all, it seems pretty innocuous. It seems like your basic heat-of-the-moment stuff. Or then again, maybe not. Because according to The Athletic, Draymond fired back with, quote, who the bleep are you talking to? The Athletic also reported, quote, according to multiple sources, Green then went on to make it clear he's been making plays for years. He reminded, reminded Durant the Warriors were winning before Durant showed up. So he wouldn't stand for Durant talking to him as if he were a scrub. Green accused Durant of making the whole season about him, even though he was going to leave after this season. The quote goes on. Green let out his frustrations about how Durant has handled free agency, keeping his options open, and keeping the story alive, consuming the Warriors and their season with talk of what Durant will do next. End of quote. Oh. And, quote, that's the mild version. The original version included Green calling Durant a bitch several times. End quote. So, that's not just a case of a couple of teammates arguing over the last shot in a tie game. And that's why Green was suspended for last night's game by that team. An interesting move in the sense that Golden State could have fined him and just had him sit out the game without making that suspension public. But they publicly announced a suspension, and it's going to cost Raymond Green a game check worth 120 grand. All right, so that's pretty punitive. They're suspending him without pay. That's going to cost him 120 grand. So is that over the top? And to me, you've got to wonder, did it escalate the stakes or did it end the thing completely? The Warriors are betting the former. I'm guessing it's probably not. Listen, it's not the first time that Green and Durant have gotten into it during a game. Both these guys run hot. And then they patch it up fairly quickly. But obviously, the organization felt this was not just one of those heat of the moment, man, these guys really just want to win deals. Or even a, that's just Draymond being Draymond deal. By suspending him without pay, and making it public, they clearly felt that he went too far, that he crossed the line. They were looking to send a message. Message being that Draymond disrespected Durant, and that they were backing Durant and holding Draymond accountable. They're looking to send a message. Now, knowing Bob Myers and Steve Kerr and how they run things and the way they've got their finger on the pulse of the locker room, there's a real good chance that they're right. There's a really good chance that Durant might have felt really offended by what Draymond said and that they'd be looking for them to have his back. He'd be looking for them to have his back. But there's one more thing here, a kind of a funky thing too, because according to multiple reports, Draymond might not be the only guy in that locker room who's not exactly thrilled with how Durant has talked about free agency. As an example, Clay Thompson is about to become a free agent too. Draymond is going to get to his free agency in coming years. Both of them are on record as saying they want to be warriors for life. Durant certainly has not said that. And he hasn't quieted any rumors. And he certainly hasn't declared that he wants to stay with Golden State. 
I think that's why Draymond's upset. I think that's why some of the other guys might be upset. It seems to be bothering them. Bothering them, not just that he might leave, but in how he's handling it, how it's become a distraction. And what was a shadow now feels like the elephant in the room. And it's not over because Durant is not rushing to put it in the rear view. Not after last night's game. And he certainly did not say that it was all good and that he and Draymond have worked it all out. In fact, when it came up, he said pretty much the opposite. He said they haven't even discussed it. Have you and Draymond been able to hash anything out? No. And then ended it like that. Nah. Nah. Even Steve Kerr wasn't his normal chatty self with the media yesterday, except when he was asked about that famous practice fight that he had with Michael Jordan back in the day. And Kerr said, quote, by the way, I kicked MJ's ass. Which is a great line. Kind of diffused it for a moment. Look, here's the thing. If Kevin Durant leaves next summer, it's not going to be because of what happened on Monday night. It's going to be for a number of reasons. But it probably won't be because Draymond blasted him during a timeout or called him a bitch. I mean, you might argue that KD's kind of sensitive. He's not that sensitive. If anything, to me, that's just the symptom, but not the disease. Next question. Is it going to destroy Golden State and their drive for 3-3 three and three and 4-5? and five? No. I mean, there's way too much talent on that roster. But even beside the talent, there's too much wisdom in that locker room and in the front office, the IQ, the emotional intelligence. It's way too high, way too strong. This is not going to derail that. This is not going to cost them another ring. The leaders in that locker room would never let that happen. The leaders in the front office would never let that happen. So stop saying that their season's over and that they've lost it in mid-November and these guys are coming off the rails and that they can't recover. Because that's not how it is. And it will all continue tomorrow night with, wait for it, the Rockets. The Rockets. The same Rockets who had Golden State beat. Well, not really the same Rockets. Look at these Rockets. Golden State at Houston. Draymond, Durant, Mello if he's still there. You think there's going to be very much to talk about regarding that game? Before, during, and after. All right, so where do you come out? Golden State sent a message. They suspended Draymond. Is this going to end it, or is it going to escalate it? And what about Durant? If these guys were upset with the way he's handling this, do they have a right to be upset with the way he's handling it? Should he handle it differently? Should he have just said? Should Katie have just said, you know what, we're not talking about it. This is the furthest thing from my mind. I'll address it after the season. We're not talking about it. I'm worried about one thing, and that's winning a championship this year. Because that's not what he's saying. Who's to blame here? And at the end of the day, does it even matter when we're talking about Golden State? Personally, I trust Bob Myers and Steve Kerr, and I think they've got a pulse, and they know how to handle it. And they felt they had to send a message, so they did. All right, in addition to that, I could do an entire program on that alone, but I won't. Quickly on Twitter, Mike D for three tweets. The Warriors suspending Draymond to try to pacify that baby Durant. And keep him in Golden State is just the best. Is that how you read that? Did they do that to, quote, pacify that baby Durant? Or did they have to step in? Because Durant, or I should say Draymond, crossed over the line finally. Hey, listen, again, they could have sat this guy down. They could have fined him. They could have had him miss a game. It didn't have to be public. They made a very public statement of saying, suspension without pay, here's why. Like, they wanted everybody to know, not just Durant. So, what do you think that was? Again, are they, quote, pacifying the baby, this Durant? Or are they sending Draymond a statement or a message saying, hey, Draymond, this is too much. You're way over the line. That got way too personal. Ed Wells in the 360 tweets, Draymond Green... He's doing a great job of keeping the Warriors together and happy. Signed, Yoko. Love is blind. I don't know. I don't know, Yoko. I don't know John Lennon. I just know that John Lennon was the ultimate rock star and could have been with anybody he wanted, and he chose Yoko. So Yoko must be amazing. Love is blind. And it's deaf. Oh, 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 oh,
Oh, I gotta get out. Oh! If you're doing work on your crib, you need to know what building pros already know. Ferguson is where it's at. Listen to this. No matter how big or small your team is, Ferguson has a winning game plan for pro contractors with thousands of plumbing repair parts, knowledgeable associates, and the largest national footprint in the game. When the pressure is on, you can count on Ferguson. Right now we're talking hockey. We are joined by the head coach of the Nashville Predators. He's in his fifth season there. He led them to the Western Conference Championship and a President's Trophy. Stanley Cup winner is a head coach. Nearly 600 career wins. Nashville is in first in the Central. They've got the best record in the league. And they're at the Coyotes tomorrow night, 9 p.m. Eastern. Peter Laviolette is my guest. Peter, good to have you back. How are you? Hey, Jim. How you doing? Good, good. Good to have you on. Listen, you're coming off a tough loss to San Jose where you fell behind 3 nothing, but you scored four straights to take the lead, and then the Sharks scored twice to win it. I mean, you never want to lose a game like that, but are you able, Peter, to take something positive from the way your team battled back despite the injuries and despite falling behind early on? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough. San Jose's done that twice to us now. They did it in our building. We had a, um, you know, we had a lead with, I think it was seven minutes to go, so they're, they're a team for me that's Probably one of the has maybe the mo- one of the teams with the most depth in the league, and just have to be accountable defensively all the time to them. And we battled back. We didn't start the way we wanted. We, we came out in the second period and got ourselves going again. Got a lead in the third. Rocco Grimaldi had a big goal, and uh, you know just didn't didn't play the right style of defense down the end there. And I think you just really got to be accountable to the way they play the game. And they got so much depth through their lineup; they're capable and. It ended up biting us. It's hard to take something from when you just uh, just finished that game. You look at it as a missed opportunity for a good comeback and, and fighting back in the game. And uh, at the end, it leaves you with a little bit of a pit in your stomach. I get that. Nashville head coach Peter Laviolette joining us. Now, you had some big guys out of the lineup last night, and then P.K. Subban left early with what appeared to be an injury. Have you gotten any update on his status? And then more broadly, how do you go about managing the team when you're missing guys right now? Yeah, you know what? This is um, this is we're going through it a little bit right now. I think everybody goes through it. Um, you know, even with RV out, and that's obviously a, a big loss for us when he's not in the lineup. He's he's kind of the engine of our team. Victor Arvidsson, Cali Yarncroft missing, like you said, and then um, you end up losing PK through the game. Like we were still able to play the way we wanted and come back in that game. Like I think our guys realized that. Injuries are part of the game, and other people have to step up. And we did last night to a point, which is you know what we need to do on a uh, game by game basis. But um, there's no question we'd rather have our guys back in there. We don't have an update on PK yet. We're not even sure ourselves uh, exactly what's going on. But um, when we when we do find out, um, you know we'll, we'll get that information out there to to our fans. But um, you know, right now we're just dealing with it, and with, with those injuries comes an opportunity for somebody else. I know coaches say that a lot, but you know, last night was a perfect example. Colton Sissons moves up the lineup. Rocco Grimaldi comes in. He scores a huge goal for us, gives us a lead, gives us an opportunity, and um, you know, we just didn't we didn't finish it the way we wanted. You know, Peter, funny thing, last month you threw down a challenge to the players that if the team won games back-to-back in Calgary and Edmonton, you'd break out a bullhead when you first met with the media. First off, how did that deal come about, and why did the players choose a bullhead? What a mistake, huh? What a mistake that was. (laughs) I don't think they think so. I don't think I've ever been so nervous in my life, Jim. Right. Going out there to that that scrum of media, I knew I was going to be in Canada, too. My wife, I I should probably just blame my wife, she, she... she was shopping and she saw this bull's head and I came home from work about a week prior to that trip to Canada and it's sitting on the the table in the living room and so I get home at night and I might throw the TV on and I'm staring at that bull's head and she tells me she says I, I found this in the store she said I don't know why I got I couldn't leave without it but I had to take it with me I know you'll use it somewhere I don't know where but it, it came home with me so I'm staring at it for days <laughs> And I was thinking about how tough that trip was going to be to Western Canada up to Calgary and then Edmonton back-to-back. Calgary hadn't lost at home yet. And Edmonton, um, they were on a three-game winning streak. And, you know, we knew we were going to go into Edmonton tired playing the night before. And so I thought about – I was staring at the bowl, and I've, I've been to the, the PVR a few times now because we moved to Nashville. And it's just an amazing um, display of, like, animals and the size of the bulls and the, the power that they have. So they go into these buildings and they they just dismantle people that try to get on them and try to ride them. And 
Um, the one time that I did go, Bushwhacker was retiring. It was like his swan song year. So I found out this, you know, the story of Bushwhacker, and this was a few years ago. So I went in and I just told that story about Bushwhacker to see if they knew who he was and how big he was and how powerful he was and um, what he did in other teams' buildings. And he went to a building like Calgary, a building like Edmonton, and he would just destroy people. And so I said, uh, I had put it on and took a picture and sent it. Uh, I put it up in front of the players. I said, uh, I'm challenging you guys to, you know, to go into Western Canada and do something that's difficult. I said, I'm laying down the challenge to you. Two wins, back to back. You let me know what's coming my, back my way. And so they thought about it for a couple of days in the morning of the first game. Roman Yossi came in and I said, Roman, do you accept my challenge to walk out of here with four points in two games? He goes, we do. And I said, well, what's coming back my way? And he said, you have to wear the bull's head tomorrow night in Edmonton once we win both games. And wow. so I paused because I didn't really want to do it. And I said, I need to think about that. And so I went back to the Calgary game that night. And um, I said, Roman, you still accept my challenge? And he said, yes. And I said, well, then I accept yours. And so that's how the, the challenge was made and, and came to be. And um, I'll tell you, when, the, when Roman Yossi scored the empty net goal in Edmonton, he came back to the bench and he was smiling at me. And he says, it's time for Bushwhacker to do his interview, his press conference. <laughs> I was pretty nervous. I, I was smiling, but I was pretty nervous as well. I knew it was hockey night in Canada, and I knew there was a lot of cameras, a lot of TV, a lot of reporters. And um, it's not like we were in Arizona like we are now, where it might not catch as much attention. But um, anyway. It was uh, it was good fun for a night, and uh, they held up to their end of the bargain, so I held up to mine. Good job, Peter. What It's an amazing story, and the look is absolutely incredible. I mean, the image of you wearing a suit and that mask while talking to reporters and having to do it where you did it really was incredible. So credit to Bushwhacker. You may have to break out a bodacious look or a story for the Stanley Cup if you get there. But listen, as funny as this all is, as great as this story is, there's got to be some wisdom behind this, and I know there is. Because of the success that your team has had the last few years, you've had some really long seasons. You have to do little things like that even if that's not such a little thing, to break it up, right? To keep it fresh, to keep it fun. I think there's probably a lot of things. Certainly there's a lot of things that we do inside of our locker room. This one, I think the the hard thing about this one was that I knew it was going to become public. And typically I don't like to do that. Like things that we do inside the room. Stand the room. It was a Christmas suits. Roman came up to me and he said, hey, can can we wear Christmas suits on a road trip? And I said, and I I thought about it and I went back a couple hours later and I said, yeah, I said, I think it'll be, It'll be fun for you guys. And then the next words out of his mouth would be like, would, would, you guys, would you guys wear the Christmas suits too? Now, this is just on the plane and to the hotel. <clears throat> and so I said, uh, I don't know. Let me think about that. And so I thought about it, and we were going on a long road trip. It was going to be three games into Western Canada. Again, the same thing. And I just knew it was going to be a tough game. And one of them was back-to-back. I think it was Calgary-Edmonton again. So it might have started in Vancouver, but then it was going to be Calgary-Edmonton back-to-back. And I said, Roman, I said, um, and we, we were going to end that road trip in Dallas. I said, um, if you, I said, I'll, 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 you guys can wear the suits. We'll wear them too. I said, if you, and I said, I got a challenge for you. If you can take down all three games in the first part of the trip. And I said, well, let me, let me know what we got to do. And so we talked about it and it was where the, the suits behind the bench. And so they were fired up. But there's little things, I think, too, inside every locker room that you just do to try and, I don't know. Other than the, it, it, in, the, in the NHL and the 82 games and then the playoffs, it, it's just game after game and you're traveling. Like last night, we got in at 2.30 in the morning and you're waking up and you get a day off and then you play. And then you, so it just keeps going and going. I think anything you can do just to make it a little bit fresh in there, I'm sure it's going on in a lot of rooms. Well, I know it's working out. You got a Stanley Cup win as a head coach. Also, nearly 600 career wins. Nashville in first in the Central. They've got the best record in the league right now, and they're at the Coyotes tomorrow night. Peter Laviolette, my guest. Peter, that was great. That was so much fun. Thanks for the stories. Thanks for the time, and it's always good to have you on the show. Hey, Jim, take care. Thanks. Rams, Chiefs coming back to L.A. I haven't laid out my thoughts yet, but it's been a big topic so far. This person emails, hey, Jim, regarding the Azteca Stadium field. It's disgusting. It's muddy. It smells. It's patchy. It looks like it has not been treated in years. It doesn't meet safety standards. What exactly is the problem? Yours, Portland woman. Well, you know what? We got this phenomenon up here in Oregon, and I call it Portland woman. 
Portland woman, she doesn't shave, she doesn't clean up. They put her on TV. Turn on any Portland channel with the local local show. You'll find Portland woman showing off her stuff, gray hair, no makeup, all the wrinkles to boot, and the clothing is something else. You can see the stain. So, anyways, to Portland woman, please, please, do us all a favor and clean it up. That's all I got, Romy. Is that all, Brandon, in Portland? All right. I will allow that. I'll allow that. <laughs> I'm going to get to that topic in one minute. Quickly, this email reads, Rome, not to go all Rick and Buffalo, but the way the camera just zoomed in on Hawk's face, I realized I would give up my truck for two things. One more high school football game and to headbutt that freak and rip that stupid stash right off his face. Marty, from the real Vancouver, U.S. of A. He obviously is watching the show. CBS Sports Network, they're doing it. They're going in on Hawk. There's Hawk with that stupid shirt and the equally stupid porn stash. I'm fine with it. This guy's not. This guy says he'd give up his truck. And I'm guessing that truck probably means more to him than almost anything. For two things. Number one, one more high school football game. (laughs) That's an awesome take, too. Just roam. Just, I give up anything, even my truck. All I want, one more high school football game and to headbutt that freak hawk and rip that stupid stash off his face. Dear Rome, what was wrong with that field in Mexico City? Looks better than our baseball field that we play on. Signed, the Raiders. John in Huntington Beach. Unwarred dads that don't help volunteer in Little League. All right, on that topic. So I've said nearly every single Monday that the NFL has given us one great game after another all year long. Even this past Monday, what looked like a terrible Monday night game turned out to be a pretty good Monday night game. That said, there has not been a game that's been more anticipated this season than Chiefs-Rams Monday night. 9-1 v. 9-1. Mahomes v. Goff. Reed v. McVay. Two of the most explosive offenses with two of the most exciting quarterbacks. Two of the most brilliant play callers finally facing off. The game of the regular season. You know that phrase, Super Bowl preview? It gets thrown around way too much, but this legitimately could be a Super Bowl preview. And it goes down Monday night in Mexico City. Los Angeles. It's going to be played in L.A. because... The Azteca Stadium field was in brutal shape. And I'm not just talking bad. I mean terrible. And I'm not sure what's a bigger mess. The field or the situation itself. Because it is ugly all the way around. When you have two offenses like this, with all the speed that they possess, you want the very best possible conditions. And those were not close to the best possible conditions. In fact, they may have been the worst possible conditions ever have you seen the photos floating around on social they're crazy i mean you could practically see the acl tears where the yard lines are supposed to be how bad the raiders play on a field that's only missing a second base and a pitcher's mound and everybody seems to be okay with that that's fine that's allowed but this isn't and no Since you've already started in, I don't want any tweets or emails from EJO or Norv T saying how ripped up, pockmarked, and flat out destroyed that field was. I know what you're thinking. Before you think it, don't do it. Still, it's hard to imagine how something like that could happen. I mean, a league that regulates the length of players' socks should not be surprised that it rains in the rainy season or that soccer games are played in a soccer stadium. I'm pretty sure that Shakira didn't just show up unannounced and start belting out hits from 06 when she hit that field. Man, music was so much better back in the day. Timeless. 
The only thing that would have been a bigger disaster than moving a game during game week, and that's pretty disastrous, the only thing worse would be bringing these teams to Mexico City and letting them play a game on that slop, on that goat track. Then again, the league partially had that decision made for them once Adam Schefter reported that players on both teams were considering not playing. As one player said, quote, it's not fair to risk our health, end quote. (laughs) Truth. There's no way you could let any team play on that field and claim that you were interested in player safety. I mean, that player safety argument already has taken a couple of hits this year. When the Raiders and the Niners played home games with terrible air quality numbers, if you do this and you run the players out there on that marsh on Monday night, you may as well just throw that player safety argument out the window once and for all. So the league had to move the game back to L.A. And I know how badly they want to play that game in New Mexico City, how badly they want to make the game international, but that's not how you do it. Forget for a moment that that might be the biggest and most important game of the regular season. <laughs> Never mind those two teams. You can't play a game between two one and nine teams on that field. So moving that game from Mexico City is not ideal. It's a bad look all the way around. But keeping that game there, having multiple guys sit out, would have been a much worse look. And the worst look of all would have been for a player or players to shred their knees or ankles on that slop. Any attempt to play on that field would have been complete and total malpractice. You had to bring it back. But my question is, how did it get to that point? How did you not know? Again, it's going to rain during the rainy season. There's going to be soccer teams playing on a soccer pitch. Shakira is going to go Shakira. The NFL didn't know that? I wish she'd come in this studio and perform live. Maybe unplugged. Open invite whenever you want. CFO Carnap got in earlier. He tweets. He's Batman. CFO Carnap tweets. Laviolette had to rock that giant dome once. Try it every day like I do. Then you tell me how it feels. Signed, The Flight Deck. James Kelly, you're having a big week, bro. Paulie T. Wall tweets, Pass me the bleeping bowl. Signed, Le'Veon, knowing that he will not be drug tested this year. Haven't gotten to that take yet. It's a good day. And this. Phil A, 124 tweets, Rome, who would ever be lame and tired and make a joke about two guys who've done nothing but been in awesome movies and coached kick-ass offenses? Respectfully, Benito Santiago. Why are we talking Benito Santiago? Are we talking old-school Padre baseball? Are we talking about a guy who could throw runners out at second base from his knees? Yeah, I didn't think so. So how's that coming up, Phil? I'm Batman. Hey, Jim, I agree. You shouldn't want to hear from EJO or Norv. That's just jacked up. Signed, Danny Trejo. Mike in Buffalo. Loop hole in them. Quote, loop hole in them. Hey, Mike, you're not loopholing anybody. Nor are you fooling anybody. Nor are you making my show or my life any better. There are, new loop, there are no loopholes. No loopholes to bum smack. No loopholes to personal appearance smack. The rules are the rules. The show is the show. Hey, Rome, even we can't believe how carved up Azteca Field looked. Signed, Mick Rourke and Meg Ryan. Lee in Vancouver, we've hit them all. You've hit them all. You're done. Sarah Jessica Parker, check. EJO, check. Norv Turner, check. Trejo, check. Mick Rourke, check. Meg Ryan, check. Margot Kidder, I said it, check. There's nothing left. Stick to the freaking show. Stick to the topics. Stop doing what you're doing. We're talking Sacramento Kings basketball with Dave Yeager momentarily. 
Wednesday is an ATP day. Ask the Pros brought to you by O'Reilly Auto Parts. Just go to cbssportsradio.com slash askthepros. Ask me anything you want. And remember, think O'Reilly Auto Parts. For all of your car care needs, get guaranteed low prices, excellent customer service at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Going back-to-back, we're talking NBA right now. We are joined by the head coach of the Sacramento Kings. He is in his third season with the Kings. A three-time Western Conference Coach of the Month. Sacramento's 8-6. and six. They're in third in the Pacific Division. They're at Memphis on Friday night. We are joined by their head coach, Dave Yeager. David, it's so good to have you back. How are you? I'm good, Jim. How are you? Good, good, good. Let me ask you about Monday night. You beat the Spurs 104-99 and that ended the team's 14-game losing streak to San Antonio. To people outside the organization, it seemed like a pretty big deal, but you guys were talking about how the significance really was about finishing the homestand with an even record. So what do you make of the win and how everybody reacted to it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's twofold, exactly. Uh, outside, lots of texts and congratulations. And, uh, but from within, we looked at it as, and, and we really liked this about a young team, that they're saying, hey, we can go 2-2 on this home stretch where we played some really good teams. And, and uh, you know, we felt like there's a big difference between being 8-6 and six and 7-7. Seven and seven. And if that's what they're, they're believing, then, you know, man, we got them right where we want them. And that, that's a fantastic point of view. You know, Dave, there was a lot said after the win, but the thing that was most significant to me was what Greg Popovich said. He said, quote, their culture is changing. Guys are committed. Guys are physical, taking some pride in defense. They look really good. End of quote. I mean, when you have a coach like Pop, and you know how much he values culture and commitment and pride in defense, what's it mean to hear that type of thing from him when he's talking about your team? Yeah, he's always been really good to me. I mean, usually, you know, when the game's over, you wave and, you know, see each other later or whatever, but he walked towards half court and um, and he shared that with me, and that, that really means a lot. You know, as a young coach for a, a Hall of Fame guy to talk about uh, the job that your team is doing and getting after people and, and the things that he's always stood for. And we've, so many of us have tried to emulate his program and the way that he coaches and, and, and is with his guys, and uh, it's a, it's a big-time compliment. Now, Dave, you and I have talked a number of times since you arrived in Sacramento, and you've been very clear that this is the plan. This is something that was going to happen. I know it's still early, but what's it feel like when it starts to take shape and the vision starts to become real? It's pretty cool because, you know, we're, we're learning a lot. Um, we, we've had a good blueprint of what we wanted to do, but at the same time, you know, we're playing really, really fast. And uh, there's some things that come with that and some, some benefits that we were, you know, uh, unintended consequences, shall we say, when they, and it's great. And there's some other things that are coming up that we're working with as we go. The guys are enjoying playing this way. We have an identity, and we believe that we can win playing this way. And so it's uh, really going to be fun, you know, to get into the offseason and get into next season. But we're enjoying every minute of it right now and see – uh, we have no expectations from on the outside except for what we have from within, and so we're excited to maybe surprise some people. Kings head coach Dave Yeager, my guest, you guys were playing really, really fast, and it seems to me a big part of that is De'Aaron Fox. He had 19 points and seven assists in the win over San Antonio. He was really good last season, but he's been just electric this year. What's been the biggest difference in his game this year from last season? I think he, you know, he's got the keys to the car right from the jump. Uh, he's been through it for a year. He, he's created goals for himself in the offseason of where he wanted to be. And I don't think anybody saw this big of a jump coming, uh, but we're all really proud of him. And, and if we give him space to play and we play fast, uh, he can be really, you know, he can totally hit whatever potential it is, which is very high for him. David, it seems to me that you can play fast and you want to play with that tempo, but at the same time, you can't just play fast and trade baskets with opponents. You've got to defend as well. So how do you go about balancing that pace on offense when making sure that you guys get after it defensively too? Yeah, I think that's the part of the process that takes a little bit longer uh, because we played really fast in Memphis. We had a, you know, a second-year Mike Conley and a young O.J. Mayo and a young Rudy Gay, and we got up and down. We were top three, top four, fast-break team in the league. But we, we got to that point where we won 37, 38 games, and we decided, and Lionel Hollins, is, he's just fantastic, my mentor, said, hey, we're not going to see the playoffs unless we start guarding. And that's where we made a big jump as we, we put a big emphasis on that. It did slow us down a little bit. So it is difficult, as you mentioned, to do, to do both. But the, the league is changing, and there's, there's things that are happening, and we can, we can attack teams in different ways. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because the league is changing. And I was going to ask you about that in the sense that I talked to NBA coach after NBA coach, and they all talk about how much the game has changed in the last few years. What are the biggest ways that you've seen it change, and then how do you adjust to that change? I think, you know, if we're playing new ball at the Y and a guy's getting beat, you know, you go over and you help him off the dribble, right? Now 
analytically is like, uh, maybe the guy will get back in front, but I don't want to give up this three. Or guys in the post, and he's just getting banged, and you don't go down and help him out. I think that's what you're seeing. A lot of there's a lot more one on one, and you know the rules are changing as, as far as how physical you can be on the ball. And so if you're not going to help, and you have less tools to defend it one on one, it's it's more difficult. You know, you're already getting some attention as a Coach of the Year candidate. In fact, Jeff Van Gunny went as far as to say they should build a statue of you outside the arena. Obviously, again, it's early in the season, but what's it been like for you so far this year? It, it, it just brings a smile to your face because, you know, when we went through this last year, kind of a transition year, and now this year we're, we're going full on with the young guys. It's always been fun to go to the gym, whether, you know, we were – 20 and 40, or if you, we haven't been, but if we were 40 and 20, I don't think there's going to be a difference. It's a fun group to coach. We've got really good dudes. Uh, we've got some really talented guys in there and some other guys that are trying to figure out their role. And as that all comes together and you add a couple of veteran pieces, you know, down the line, it could really be uh, very successful for, for a long time. Hey, listen, that's not the first time I've heard you say that, the fact that it's got to be fun. You're in the business of winning. It is a business, but how important is it to have fun while you're doing it, especially when you've got a young team? So the, it's it's paramount. It just has to be. I mean, guys do not want to dread going in there. Uh, we, you know, it's a daily. How can we help you get better? Which is how can we get better as a team attitude? And uh, we do different things and a lot of stuff that never gets out of the gym. And uh, try to keep it fresh. And and I think the guys are enjoying it. But like I said, we have high quality, you know, character guys, and that that makes a difference too. Yes, David, so interesting. We just had Peter Laviolette of the Nashville Predators on. He was saying the exact same thing. How do you do it? it? And he said the exact same thing you just said. There's a lot of things that happen in the locker room that do not get out, but we have to find a way to keep it fresh and keep guys going. You know, on a very serious note, before the game against the Lakers, a number of guys were talking about the fact that the smoke from the campfire was billowing downtown. Knowing the tragedy that's taken place around the entire state and then seeing that smoke come through Sacramento, what's it been like for you and the team and the organization to deal with? Well, you know, you hear the phrase, you know, it's in your face. That is like bringing it right to you. Like, man, there's something real going on. I can cough and whatever, but these people are losing their homes. And uh, that's just a really sad part of it. And, you know, whatever the game is or if there's some smoke in the arena, that's that's nothing compared to people and being displaced and and losing everything they own. So it's, uh, you know, very real and very serious. Sacramento's 8-6 and six on the year. They're third in the Pacific Division. They've got a game coming up against Memphis on Friday. Their head coach, Dave Yeager, my guest. David, it's so good to have you back on. Thanks for your time. It's been great to watch you guys so far. Good luck. Hope we can do it again soon. Hey, man, appreciate it. Anytime. This email reads, Dear Hefty, when Tiger stared at Tony Romo, did it break his collarbone? Jim in Green Bay, no. No, it didn't. Just as when Tony stared back at Tiger, it didn't make him go bald. any of you take anything seriously at all? No, that did not break his collarbone. Tony Romo was tough, man. That was a tough, tough player. At SA Sports Honk, hey, Rome, you said you're looking for Miles Plumley. I'll keep an eye out for him. Signed, Sandy Duncan. Denlusks, if there was an all-out brawl involving the XR4TI, my money is on the flight deck. Dude would headbutt the hell out of those other three lames. A Charger fan, Dan tweets, "Will the f- <laughs> that's great? Will the flight deck be putting together the week that was?" I don't know, man. He 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 can barely play a single drop at a time. How is he going to put together the week that was? If it was the week of November 10th, 2056, and he started work right now, maybe. Maybe. (laughs) That's funny. Will the flight deck be putting together the week that was? Uh, Yeah, no. No, he will not. Be pretty funny to listen to, though. Bro, you should just do it. I stand by whatever you come up with. I I want to hear you hack your way through that. That'd be a lot of fun. No. There was once a dude, oh yeah, we had a dude, what was that guy's name? We had a dude who came in here with a ponytail, and he was all about it, and he had experience. Understand, James Kelly does a lot of things for this show, but by trade, he is not an engineer. The dude with the ponytail was. This guy had a ponytail, 
and had some crazy man cologne to cover up the, the pack a day that he was smoking. And this guy was all about it, knew the show and, and embraced it. Like he wanted that. He wanted that. He's like, the week that was, I love that segment. I can do that for you, Rome. Oh, I know I can do that. I mean, it won't be exactly the same as Alvin. It'll be different, but it'll be as good. And I can do that. <laughs> so, my man, I, I love that this guy wanted it. And I'm like, hey, Ponytail, dude, are you sure? Are you sure? He's like, oh, yeah, hell yeah, I can do this. And, and I love that this guy just had this swagger about him. Like, I can do this. I want to do this. You know, freaking put me in, Rome. Put me in, coach. Let me do it. And I said, all right, man, because I was sold. He sold me on it. So Ponytail Dude is like just grinding it out, grinding it out, editing, doing his thing. It's going to be his big moment. He can't wait. And I'm trying to put a guy, I'm trying to give this guy you know, belief in himself. And I want this to go well. And then I'm like, all right, time now for the week that was. Edited and cut up by the Ponytail Dude with all the cologne. Roll it, bro. And he rolls this thing. And it's garbage, man. I hope Ponytail Dude's not listening right now. I, I feel badly. It's just it, garbage is probably too strong. It's not good, though. It's not good. James Kelly's like, dude, I thought it was ass. Put it this way. And James Kelly heard the whole thing. It was so bad, I pulled it down halfway through. Like, I couldn't even see it through out of respect to the guy. And the guy was like heart and freaking soul. Wearing it right there on his sleeve, rocking his ponytail, dumping a bunch of Dracar on it. And he wanted it badly. And I, I, and it was like, how long could it be? Four minutes? Five minutes, maybe? And I just couldn't even see it through. Like, I just I got to get through it, man. I got to get through it. It's going to break this guy's heart. Like, if I, if I pull this thing down in the middle of this in front of 8 billion people, I may as well just reach into this guy's heart, man, just jerk his heart right out and show it to him. I'm like, bro, respectfully, you got to stop. You got you to stop playing that. You got to stop playing that. See, the mistake that I made was I didn't preview it. I didn't listen to it. But we don't have time for that sort of thing, right? You know, Alvin is editing, the, editing that thing until the very last second, and I just trust. I trusted it. Well, I trusted the ponytail dude. Why am I telling this story? Because the flight deck remembers that thing. He remembered how that went, and he does not want that to happen to him. The difference is, flight deck, you may have a giant head, but you don't have a ponytail. Nor do you swim in Drakkar before you come in here. Bro, you and I have been together forever. I love you, man. Just do it. I would never do you like that. I wouldn't do you like that. No matter how, no matter how ass-like it was, I promise you I'd let it play out to the end. You know what, bro? I think you should do this. I think you can do this. You're not a guy who's just getting the plane down. You're not a guy who, when I'm asking you to do a roll minute, you freak out and grip. You can do this, bro. I believe in you. All you need to do... All, all you need to do is come up with the five best minutes from the 15 best hours. Here's a dirty little secret. Dirty little secret. Alvy works that thing every day, all day, and none of us know about it. James Kelly's like, all damn week. Alvy works that thing all damn week, dude. He's got you snowed so badly, you have no idea how hard he works on that. Yeah, bro, I don't care how hard he works on it. All I care is that I've got that four minutes. And you're responsible for those four minutes. You're in that chair, your responsibility, your gig. Give me four minutes. I don't want 20 seconds right now. I want four minutes on Friday. The ponytail did it. Look how well it went for him. God, that guy was like, oh, I got this. Jim, I got it. I got it, man. I got it. He all but said to me, Dude, I'm going to look at Albie and ask him, tell me how my ass tastes once my week that was is done. Dude, I pulled that thing down two minutes in. I'm like, yeah, anyway, ponytail guy, thanks, but no. We can't have that. <laughs> this guy, he clones are the best. Dear Jim, I remember when that guy did TWTW and you interrupted it about halfway through. So funny. Signed, Randall. Yeah! Randall. Hey, Randall, let me ask you something. When I interrupted 
that ponytail guy I halfway through and I pulled that thing down? Be honest, Randall. What was your reaction? What did you say to yourself? Yeah! Yeah! Charger fan Dan brought that thing up. Is the flight deck going to put together the week that was? Alvin makes it look easy, and it's not easy, and he does not work on that thing morning of. He literally does work on that all week long. All week. All damn week. James Kelly, I know the mindset, bro. I know what you're thinking. Survive day one. One down, four to go. Survive day two. Two down, three to go. Wednesday, we're halfway there. If I get over a hump day without anything tragic happening, then it's all downhill. I know how that goes. Flight deck came in today feeling good, like not gripping at all. Like, damn, I feel good. It's Wednesday, man. I got this. I'm through the worst of it. I'm getting more comfortable. I'm settling in. As long as nothing changes, I'm fine. And then Chael's like, oh, dude, check this out. No, dude, don't give that to Rome. Don't bring that in. Don't, don't, no. Then the psych drop happened. I asked for one word, psych, and he couldn't pull that. And then all of a sudden, it starts to feed on itself, right? That snowball is getting bigger and bigger and traveling faster and faster. Psych. Hey, James Kelly, go ahead, and, go ahead and cue that thing and freeze that thing if you want. It's not some kind of magic trick, bro. bro. Hey, I got one for you, James. You're responsible for the week that was on Friday, and we're doing it in hour two. Psych! See you then, man. Have a great Thursday night. Dude, he'll be sleeping. He'll be like on his back in bed on Thursday night. Gigantic forehead producing profuse amounts of sweat. And his wife will be like, oh my God, what's the matter? I got to do the week. I got to do the week that was. And I got to do it in the second hour. (laughs) Hey, bro. I'd say that I'm just messing with you, but I'm not messing with you. I want that week that was. And I want it an hour or two on Friday. Bill in St. Louis asks, Jim, when Alvy leaves town, do you think that he purposely changes the names of the sounds in the computer? Does he mess with the keyboard to make James look terrible and Alvy look better? Just saying. The truth is out there. It's not what that is. No, Alvy does not need to do that. Alvy is secure in his own skin. We, we don't do things like that around here. I've done this a long time. I have worked with some pretty horrible people. There have been some pretty horrible people who have come through here. Not this crew. We don't self-sabotage. We're not looking to stab each other in the back. We're looking to pick each other up. Guys like that would not last here. So no. Alvin, no conspiracy. Alvin is not looking to jam the flight deck. In fact, Alvin's like, dude, like if they don't have anybody that can do what I do, then I won't get to go to Italy and get nice with Mill. No, he wants, he's pulling for and rooting for the flight deck. So no, Bill, you're barking up the wrong tree. You got the wrong show. Our culture is much better. Randall is following up. Jimmy, honestly, I thought to myself, damn, Rome. I said, Randall, what did you think? What went through your mind when I pulled that week that was halfway through it? What did you think? What did you say to yourself? Yeah. So he's trying to follow up on that. He wrote, Jimmy, honestly, what I thought to myself was, damn, Rome is cold-blooded. Dude worked on that all week, put his heart and soul into it, and you destroyed him. LOL. God, I wish we had that. It's so true. Now that I'm thinking about it, for me to look through the glass at a guy that wanted it so badly and had so much pride in his work, and I pulled that thing halfway through, that is cold-blooded. And I like to think of myself not as a cold-blooded guy at all. I'm not like that. I'm not ruthless. I'm not cold-blooded. I'm empathetic. I'm sympathetic. Yet, it is my job, right? If I don't take care of this show, who will? Hey, Rome. We trusted the pony guy tail, too. Ponytail guy, too. Signed overweight people who bought whatever piece of junk that that freak Tony Little was peddling. Lee in Vancouver. Wait, you mean that cardio machine? 
where the guy was going with the feet and the arms? That probably worked. That probably worked. Not nearly as well as a Peloton. Peloton's so badass. OnePeloton.com. Go there. I've got mine. I'll be on mine later on today. If you want to ride against me, go ahead and do it. I'll be doing it later on today. All right. So, let's see. 1-800-636-8686. Let's go to the phones. Ken in Linden, Washington, Pacific Northwest. It's good to have you, Ken. How are you? Romy, thanks for the vine. I was... Go ahead, Ken. You're all right. Or now you're not. Hey, hey look. For James Kelly. Don't be trying to run some kind of misdirection here. Like, yeah, man. You see me drop the hammer on that guy? Yeah, James, I saw it. I didn't tell you you could. He's like, yeah, I played that on time, didn't I, boss? Hey, boss, I wasn't late with that, was I? James Kelly literally is like, hey, I got that one on time, didn't I? You didn't have to wait very long for that, did you, boss? Yeah, no, James. Did you notice also if you roll the tape back, I was trying to make the guy feel more comfortable. I started to say, hey, Ken, you're all... No joke. If you play that tape back, that's how that would sound. Hey, Ken, what's going on? Yeah, hey, Rome. Uh, or and he starts to go Bodhi with it. No, Ken, listen, you're fine. James Kelly, dude, your week's not going nearly as well as you thought it was. Dude, sit, chill the hell out. Settle the hell down, James. You know why I took that call? I wanted to. The show needed a phone call. This dude's out there like with a brick, man. Just smash that dude right in the face with a brick. And then he's like, on top of that, he's like, yeah, hey, hey, Hawk, uh, screen that call better next time. You are settling in, aren't you, bro? Let me play that back. Can you, is it, if it's not too much to ask, can you play that back? I want to hear that because I want you to hear... What's going on here? As the host, I was trying to settle the guy in, and you smashed him right in the face with a brick. Listen. It's good to have you, Ken. How are you? Romy, thanks for the vine. I was... Go ahead, Ken. You're all right. Or now you're not. Hey, hey, look. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Go ahead, Ken. You're all right. Hey, Flight Deck, chill the hell out. Settle the hell down. Who are you to bring the hammer on that guy like that? Who gave you the authority, man? You are settling in, aren't you, bro? I said, who gave you the authority? He said, Alvy, by not showing up. Hey, man, Alvy's not the boss of you. I am. Come on, man. Give these guys a chance. Think, of, think how hard you're gripping sitting in that chair. And then think how hard that guy's gripping talking to 8 zillion people. Settle the hell down. Give the callers a chance. This thing's coming off the rails. My favorite part of this whole discussion is that James Kelly walked in here like some kind of legend this morning and said to Hawk, man, I feel good. This week's going well. Meantime, Kevin Durant's brother has jumped in. He's dropping posts on his Graham stories. Tony Durant weighing in. Quote, true colors ain't hard to see when someone is mad. It's so much more clearer now. LOL. He went on. Instead of competing... With what's already written, just follow along before the greatness is done, rubbing off on you, and people see you for what you really are. It's getting pretty dramatic now. I don't think you have to read between the lines to hear what he's trying to suggest about Draymond. All right, so ESPN, Woj had reported that the exchange in the locker room was about as hot as anything that had happened during that dynast- dynastic run. And then you've got Kevin Durant, and you've got Draymond, and then Draymond gets suspended for a game without pay. And then when Kevin Durant was asked about that in the presser and asked whether or not he had gotten with Draymond and cleared that up, his response was, quote, nah. Have you and Draymond been able to hash anything out? No. Nah. No. Nah. 
And then Kevin Durant's brother Tony is dropping posts on his gram stories. Remember, the Athletic had reported, quote, according to multiple sources, Green went on to make it clear he's been making plays for years. He reminded Durant the Warriors were winning before Durant showed up. So he wouldn't stand for Durant talking to him as if he were a scrub. Green accused Durant of making the whole season about him, even though he was going to leave after this season. Green let out his frustrations about how Durant was handling free agency, keeping his options open, and keeping the story alive, consuming the Warriors and their season with talk of what Durant will do next, end of quote. All right, so if you read that, what he's saying, if that's accurate, is, all right, so you're going to leave. You know you're going to leave. All right, so why are you keeping this open-ended and making this a big distraction for the rest of us? Let's win a championship here, and then you do what you're going to do. I'm just saying, if that's what that's what that is. That's what that quote would suggest, that you could handle this better, that you're making it about you, that it's becoming a real distraction around here, what you're going to do or what you're not going to do, because you're not saying. Like Clay Thompson's on record as saying, I want to be here. Draymond's on record as saying, I want to be here. You're not saying that. So people keep asking, and it's becoming a distraction. And then in the heat of the moment, when Draymond got that rebound and did not pass the ball to Durant, And Durant followed him back to the sideline and said, what the hell are you doing? What are you doing? Then it all came out. Allegedly. But there's something else here. Again, part of the report is Draymond may not be the only one in that locker room that feels this way. So then, and I talked about this earlier, is this where it all rips apart? Is this where it all rips apart? Is this where the dynasty dies or the championship run ends? I'm going to say no. It's messy. It doesn't sound good. Kevin Durant's bro, Tony, jumping in with posts from his stories is not helping. But no, I'm going to say this is not where it ends or where it rips apart. I'm talking about the quality and the character and the fabric in that locker room and in the front office. Bob Myers, Steve Kerr, all the way up to ownership and guys who are Hall of Famers that are stacking rings. I don't think they're going to let this rip apart. They'll hold it together. Durant might bounce. And if Durant does bounce, it's not going to be because of this. If Durant bounces, he's already made up his mind to bounce. It's not going to be because of this. But these guys are way too good. Their basketball IQ is way too high. Even their emotional IQ is too high to let a championship run rip apart over this. I don't see it. This says, the absolutely funniest thing I saw was all the players to be a peacemaker. The boogeyman. This is funny. I just had this conversation with somebody. The boogeyman. Boogie Cousins is pleading with Draymond to calm down. Really? I think Boogie was telling Draymond, not now. Drop that punk after the game. Robin, the Union City East Bay Novak. It is true. Boogie's the man going, come on, man. Kind of gave him a little thing in the chest. It was pretty funny. It's such pure wow tweets. Draymond is like the friend in the group that's been there since you were kids, but now you're embarrassed to go out with him because he makes a fool of himself. I don't think that's the case. They've won rings with Draymond. Draymond is one of a kind in what he brings to it and the way he plays both ends of the floor. Now, it's not always great with Draymond. Draymond runs hot. Draymond runs really hot. But why do you think he is who he is? Remember who this guy was coming out of college. Remember what the pros thought of him coming out of college. Nobody thought he had any, anywhere near this game. It's that this guy runs hot, but that's why he is who he is and why he plays the way he does. And he does a lot of things for that team. A defensive player of the year. At CFO Carnap tweets, Green needs to handle his business like a pro. Dude doesn't even have a burner account on Twitter. Sign KD. All right, so the lines are being drawn. I think, and I'm not in the locker room. I just, I have to imagine if Draymond felt that strongly about that and said those things. There was maybe nobody else would roll up on KD like that in that locker room. I bet he's not the only one who feels that way. If, in fact, he feels that way. But again, look at the side that the organization took. They took Durant's side. They had Durant's back. And they sent the message, 
hey, listen, that's not all right, Draymond. It's going to cost you a game without pay. So not only is he missing a game and he's being singled out, which you know Draymond's not going to like, that's real money out of his pocket. 120 gur. James Kelly's like, dude, I'm so glad that broke when it broke. Got me off of him. Got him off me, I mean. You wonder about Kevin Durant. If Kevin Durant's like happy, I mean, clearly, and I don't know his bro. I know of his bro. I know it's not the first time he's done this. If he's doing that, obviously it's with Kevin's blessing, right? Or Kevin would say, hey, bro, come on, man, don't do that. It's not helping matters. Or does Tony say to Kevin, I got a phone and I'm not afraid to use it. East Bay Troy tweets, Dubs fans are behind Dre over KD all day. We won without KD and he's on his way out anyway. War Dre. I think there's something to that. I think, and I think that's why Draymond's upset. If you're going to leave, great, go. But don't make it about you all season long and then bounce. Don't make it a distraction to us and then bounce. Gonna bounce, bounce. Good night now. How to show up with Coca-Cola energy. You're tired and you're thinking of canceling on your friends. Don't do it. Every time you cancel on a friend, a unicorn loses its horn and becomes a regular horse. Do you really want that on your conscience? Instead, grab an ice cold can of Coca-Cola energy with delicious Coke taste and reinvigorating energy. Keep the unicorns alive. Show up every day with Coca-Cola energy. Energy you want, taste you love.